0: Episode 163 of the Bevan James Isle Show. Diminishing your insults and the distraction of getting started. Righty, welcome along to episode 163 of the Bevan James will show. Your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise, so that you can get all the gains that come alongside it. Today's show is a show where I'm going to be doing uh, three shorter topics. Um, I kind of had, <laughs> I had an idea for a show, and it kind of takes a bit more work than, than I have the time for, and so I kind of what I do in designing the show is I kind of I have in my in my phone I have a reminders list and it's basically a list of you know when you have a thought and you get it out and put it on a reminders list but if I have ideas for a show what I do is I go into my reminder list and I just add it to this little area where I have ideas for the show um, and sometimes they're deeper ideas that I can go into a lot of detail in and then sometimes they're just ideas that you know don't necessarily need like 30 to 40 minutes to dig into but you know Good 10 minute segments and so today I'm doing three of the subjects that have been written down in my reminders list on the show. So it's going to be coming up in the main gist of today's show. Uh, before I hit that I did want to talk a little bit about my own exercise experience lately and just some lessons that come alongside this. And And why am I sharing this with you? Well, I'm someone who's done exercise to a pretty extreme level for over 20 years now. I'm coming up 42, so actually nearly 22 years. Um, and... I've got a pretty good habit around exercise, like I know exercise really well, but I think I've just talked about in this last couple of episodes how I've got back into weights training in the last period of time, and I've just been really thinking about the journeys of trying to bring a different exercise routine into your life, because I'm, you know, exercise is easy for me in many ways, and it's partly because I just have a routine, and and I have a job that allows, that we we'll have to exercise, so where a lot of people have to motivate themselves, so it's kind of like turning up for work for me. So for the majority of the last 20 years, my exercise routine has been pretty easy. A, I'm working, B, kind of doing things I really enjoy and in the last period of time I've kind of made the choice to get back into the weights room because I want to put on a little bit of muscle mass uh, and I want to get a little bit stronger as I get older now when I say this, uh, ideally I'd like to put on maybe 4kg of muscle mass, it's not a huge amount um, and I just want to get a little bit stronger as I'm aging because I've neglected that high level strength work for a few years now and I just feel as I age, flexibility and strength will be a really important thing and particularly as you age into your 50s and, and later, uh, the loss of muscle mass can be a problem because you can't re- it's really hard to regenerate it so uh, i want to get into that habit now in my kind of early 40s so that lays a good foundation for my future uh, because i want to be able to move for as long as possible and I, th- I feel that the stronger and more flexible i can be the more i can maintain the other types of movement that i love doing so when i set out to start this kind of current adding of exercise to my life to get into the weights room i've gone about in a real slow approach so the first thing I've done is for the last but nearly two months, I'm coming up two months of, of doing weights, I, I basically made the goal of setting a foundation and finding a routine. So when I've basically the first month, I, I've, I designed a workout, I designed a, basically a three-day workout, which is kind of lots of compound movements, um, uh, you know, it covers the whole body. that's really focused on a bit of hypertrophy. So it is really designed around getting me, uh, a bit more muscle mass. So when we, when I sat down and designed it, I kind of did the programming, but I kind of thought to myself, because I haven't been in the weights room for a long time, I'm going to give myself the first month just to get into the movement patterns. So there was no goal of pushing extremely hard in the weights room in that period. In the first month, I went through that. I basically focus on good movement patterns and adding some weight as the weeks went by. So I think when I first started, I was doing pretty light squats, like 15 kg on each side, so probably about 80 kg, which is pretty light for where I'm at. Uh, Back in the old days when I was hardcore on weights, I'd push about 180 kg, so, you know, it's a lot lighter than what I used to be able to do in the past. Um, And then over the weeks, I've kind of slowly progressed that weight, but I haven't really pushed myself that hard until I'm kind of getting there now, but I've definitely got a lot further to go. Um, and so that's been the first block is, is, is around finding a routine and just setting up good movement patterns that are going to lay a good foundation as I start to really push that weight but there's been a couple of really good lessons in there for me so first of all, the one of the biggest lessons I've learned um, or that's reinforced for me is the importance of setting up a routine around a new exercise habit and this is something I haven't done well in this journey so the one thing about my life is I live a very... Uh, autonomous of time and life, I have a lot of freedom around my time, I can kind of do what I want when I want to do other than when I coach my runners and when I have my clients and when I teach classes but basically most days I have about two hours where I have to be somewhere and doing something and the rest of my day is I have a lot of freedom around when I want to do it uh, and so in doing that, in the first six weeks of doing my weights program I There was no consistency of when and where I did the workouts. So for example, one week I'd do Monday morning, Wednesday night and Saturday morning. Then the next week I'd do Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday and and different times a day. And I really discovered how it just made it a lot harder for me because I always think, you know, with exercise, there's a few different negotiations, and one of the first negotiations is getting out the door to do the exercise, and I talk a lot about this, and if you've listened to this podcast for a long time, I've talked a lot about, you know, the first job is to find the routine. Well, I haven't helped myself in the last six weeks, because there has been a routine around the when and how I'm going to do it, and I've just found that it's interesting, because I find there's a few different negotiations, the A, turning up, B, focusing on good movement, C, looking for the intensity and in the Work out these types of things, but it has been harder for me because it's not a consistent thing, or it's not a, a, a habitual thing, is probably a better way of putting it. Um, and so, while I've been very good to turn up and do every session, it's I think I've made it harder on myself. I really do. I think I've made it harder than it necessarily needs to be because of that inconsistency of routine. And so, as I've discovered this, and then I know luckily I have good self-discipline and and, you know I did turn up and do the sessions but really when I think about it I want to be able to turn up to the session and be able to put all my energy into performing as best I can in the session now when I've been negotiating to turn up because this is a different time of the day and you start doing a thing or maybe I'll do it tomorrow and all that kind of thought pattern goes through your head you're kind of mentally fatiguing yourself before you even turn up so when I turn up Sometimes you kind of let yourself off the hook, or you don't train to the level that you want to. And so, my thing that I'm trying to work on now is to get a set routine. So I'm trying to look for Monday morning, uh, Wednesday night, and Saturday afternoon. That's want to do those three sessions a week, and I want to be as consistent as I possibly can around that. Uh, and the reason is is because I want to get remove that kind of the struggle of turning up. Because I know Monday morning, after I coach the runners, it's going to happen. I know Wednesday night before I teach a class at the gym, it's going to happen. I know Saturday afternoon I'm pretty free and flexible at that time. Now, there will be weeks where I won't be able to make those times work. But generally speaking, the more I can get set in that routine, the easier that segment of my weights training will be. So what's, what's in there for you? Well, if you are someone who's exercising, I imagine, I can pretty much guarantee most people who are listening to this who have a really consistent exercise routine that they've done for a very long time, it's very much you do the same thing on the same days of the week. It might not necessarily be always the same thing, but, you know, you'll exercise on a Monday morning at this time and a Tuesday afternoon at this time. You know, it's that kind of same routine around when you're doing exercise. And that's what we want to know. That's what we want to kind of get in place because, again, it removes that barrier around what you're trying to do. The second thing I'm I'm really focusing on now so now I'm kind of in phase two and I think this is a a really good approach to adding exercise in is because often what we think about is we think about I want the result so my result is to be stronger and maybe three or four kgs of extra muscle mass so that's kind of the result I'm aiming for. But the way I've really tried to do it is to layer my journey. So as I identified before, the first part of my journey was just to get back into the routine and to find good movement patterns. Now, I'm nearly two months down that path, and I've definitely got stronger. Like, I I, I am enjoying that. Like, I really suck at pull-ups. It's it's one, I've just always had really weak weak back strength. Um, And I've pretty much been able to double my pull-ups in the last two months, which I'm quite proud of because it's an area that I've always kind of struggled with. So I've definitely got gains. But I would definitely say I have not been pushing myself to a really hard, hard level. I've had uncomfortable moments that have pushed through, but not that real intense level. And in the first period, that wasn't my goal, what was it? It was routine and movement patterns. But now I'm starting to go into phase two. And I'm going into phase two, which is really about starting to push a heavier weight level and trying to go to a higher mental place. Now there's things that I'm trying to do within myself that allow me to do that so one thing I'm, I'm looking at doing is when I do a set I always do that moment before I do the set particularly if it's going to be a hard set where I kind of visualise or future think what I'm going to do in that set so for example today I did some pull-ups I was at the gym this morning I did some pull-ups and I had a number that I was trying to hit and um, the first set I hit the number and then the second set I didn't I kind, of, I kind of got a bit weak and pulled out of it so then going into the third set I really kind of spent some time thinking about, okay, why did I not hit that last set? What's the thought pattern I need to go through? I basically, I paused, and pausing made me, gave me a moment to kind of pull out. So I thought, stuff so you've got to be continuous in the set, you've got to focus on good range, um, and then also I focused on the kind of energy I'm going to bring into it, the kind of attitude, so I put some good pumping music on, and I went for it, and, and, and I managed to kind of hit that set. Now, those are kind of things that I need to learn as I move into this higher intensity, more pressure-filled phase of stage two of my weights training progress. But really, the thing I need to do is find a training partner. So as I look about what I'm trying to achieve now, which is more strength and more intensity in my workout, I can do that by myself to a point. But in the weights room, I'll be much more successful if I can find a training partner or if I want to invest in a PT. Because a training partner will do a couple things. If you find a good training partner, it's going to create pressure. It's going to create, you know, someone, if, if you have this unwritten rule that, hey, when we train together, we're going to push each other as hard as possible. And we're not going to let each other off the hook. Then you're going to go to places that you probably struggle go with yourself. And then secondly, with weights training, a training partner is really great because they can spot you. So in a squat, you can get a good deep-range squat in place because you know your partner's here to kind of get you if you can't make it. And so that's a really important thing to think about as well. So as I start to think about where I go into stage two, I'm starting to think about what I need to develop in myself, which is that kind of internal tools and battles that I need to develop. And then secondly what's the easy way to do it as well? And it's to get a training partner or like a personal trainer. So one thing I thought to myself at the end of the session is that by two weeks from now, I want to have a training partner who I can train with twice a week. Uh, which just because my timetable's is a bit funny, it might be hard to get someone in the morning, afternoon, and and you know, so basically if I get someone to do two sessions with me, me a week, I really feel I have to take my intensity and my strength to another level. Now why am I sharing this with you today? Well, you know, like as I said earlier, I'm the kind of exerciser who's got a routine that I just kind of knows easy, and it's not that challenging for me. And it's been really healthy for me to go and to bring in a side of exercise that I'm not naturally or I'm not kind of on top of, uh, and have to learn these lessons. And I just wanted to share this with you because I, while I've got a long way to go before I where I want to be, um, I think one thing I've done wisely is I've thought about the stages. What stages am I working on right now? And I know a while ago I did a podcast on the Bevan's Baby Steps to Exercise. And it was the same kind of thing as what stage. And so when you're thinking about trying to bring exercise, a new type of exercise or just exercise into your life, really think about that. Think about what stages am I trying to achieve right now? Again, my first stage was just getting into routine and movement patterns. I'm moving to stage two, which is to focus on getting stronger. You know, so and you know, in probably about six months from now, I will just be in that place where weight training is just a part of my week. I'll be getting all the gains and all the benefits alongside it. So I hopefully got some, something from that. I just wanted to share it with you because I thought there's some, some stuff in there that maybe uh, we could all learn. And, and, and actually, probably in particular, you know, that segment probably helps beginner exercises. But for a lot of people, they have the routine of exercise, but they no longer get results. Uh, and there's a lot of people like that. And in many ways, you can kind of tick, you know, I call them the tick boxes, the people who turn up, tick the box, and it's good enough. But sometimes we do need to change our exercise to to really get better results. Like if I keep just running all the time, like I'm a, I'm a decent runner and I enjoy running and uh, I get a lot of value from running, um, but I'm actually learning more about myself by shifting my exercise into my weights room. You know, I'm I'm learning a lot about myself that if I just keep running right now, I'm not quite sure I would have gained those same types of lessons. So I just think for mentally, and also physiologically, like I think there's gains, there's, there's some good value to me doing strength over the next period of time. I also think physiologically, there's a real value for an experienced exerciser to sometimes change things around a little bit. So if you are somebody who is a bit like me, where you've got that routine, you know how to exercise well, maybe it's time that you kind of try to throw your routine out a little bit in a way that will actually challenge you where there'll be gains that maybe you can't see right now. And both physically and mentally, you'll get those gains. So... Just some stuff to think about there. Uh, Before I get into the main, just today's show, I just want to say thank you to all the amazing patrons of our show. The patrons of the show are the people who contribute a little bit of their hard-earned money our way each time we release a show. And um, these people are already patrons. We have Sue, the only way is up Chisel. We have Denise Abfab-Diana. We've got Nathan the Hurricane. We've got Mary Jane the Magic Mariko. We've got Katrina the Architect. Kim Anderson-Hedley, and she's searching further. I've got Lana Kingy and she is the queen of changes on facebook i think she must be at a music festival she looks like wherever she is in the world she looks like she's having a good time and then lastly wendy rockstar schaefer these people all support the show and if you want to support the show just go to bevanjamesisles.com and on the website you'll see there's a link to patrons or go to the podcast and then patrons and then once you go to there um or click you through to patreon donate as much as you want. And basically, each time I release the show, you'll contribute as little or as much as you want to what I'm doing here. So thank you to all the patrons of the show. And again, go to Bevan James Owls if you want to be a patron. Anyway, here is the music because we're about to hit the main gist of today's show. So as I was saying in the introduction, um... Today's going to, the main segment's going to have three, maybe two, because I did do quite a long introduction, so uh, maybe two or three segments that are just kind of little small lessons, and I'm going to call the first one um, how to insult yourself less, how to insult yourself less, and I'll start with a story, so a few weeks ago we went to our friend's house, Jeff and Kate, they were one of our best mates, um, and uh, they are one of our friends who we spend a lot of time with. And we went around to the house one night, and we like playing games with our friends, so we'll have to go around and play cards or, you know, whatever games it is. And I heard of a game recently which I really thought was a cool idea. It's called the Chart Game. And what you do is somebody in the group picks a week from a top-ten chart any time in history. Uh, so, for example, on the night I chose, uh, I think it was like August 1996. And then what you do is you go on, like, Spotify or Apple Music you have. you get music... Um, And you play from number 10 down to number one each song and the person who can buzz in and say their name and Names the song first gets a point So the whole idea is you go through those 10 songs and you know everyone gets points at the end of the game You can get five bonus points if you can predict or pick the year that the chart was from so um and I picked a great week, like, I picked I picked 1996, man, and it had some great, they had, like, Wonderwall, it had um, um, Alanis Morris, it had How Bizarre, a big New Zealand song, it, had, oh, it was like, seriously, it had probably seven songs that are still played on radio nowadays, like, it was a big week for music, so I was pretty lucky I picked a good week. Uh, so again, what happens is, you, you play the song, people hit the buzzer, and you get the points, and at the end of it, you get the most points. Well, we played this game, and there was a couple people who were obviously liked a bit of pop music a lot more than everyone else, and uh, they tended to kind of dominate, and they tended to win. And when we got home, actually the next day, Joe came. Joe and I were talking, and she said how she felt really stupid last night when we were playing that game, and. And I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, oh, I felt really stupid because I'm not that good with music. Like, um, like for me, I love music. I remember one of the best kind of compliments slash insults I ever got. Like, I failed school. So I failed um, the basic level of school in New Zealand when I was 15. And I remember my dad said to me, so I failed school. I get my results. I, like, I didn't get any. Like, you know, I got no papers. I failed everything. Um, and so I, I failed school. And I remember my dad said to me, Bev doesn't matter, I'm proud of you, because when you play Face the Music, you get every answer right. And Face the Music was this music show where basically it was a music quiz show, and I, I was really good at Face the Music. And my dad's way of kind of bringing me up when I basically failed the basic level of education was that, yeah, but you are really good at pulp music. So, you know, some people are really good at this stuff. Now, my wife Jo, it's not a thing that she's, you know, deeply interested in, or, or you know, has this deep-grained knowledge in But what was really interesting talking to her the next day was that it kind of emotionally kind of hit her kind of hard and it made her feel a little bit stupid and that she was not not dumb, but you know, it just to feel dumb in this environment, if you know what I mean. And it really got me thinking because because my wife is far from stupid. Uh my wife is a majorly intelligent woman. Like and she was one of those like I was the kid who failed everything. Well, she was the kid who was the top of the class and everything she's ever done like she's just a very intelligent woman and uh, if we'd done the same game based on geography or anything like this like everyone else would have felt like a fool when she would have shined but in this moment she felt a bit foolish or a bit lacking and it really got me thinking got me thinking about this idea of now Joe wasn't insulting herself but this idea of when we're really hard on ourselves and I was talking to Joe about it at the time and I just kind of thought, what's a better way of dealing with this moment? And so I kind of suggested to Joe that maybe what she wants to do is she wants to lessen the insult. Now Joe wasn't insulting herself, but you'll get what I mean when I talk about this. So lessening the insult means sometimes when we feel we're bad at something, we kind of own it in a really big way. So Joe felt stupid at that moment. And so it probably gave her a bit of a bad emotional place, probably made her quite enough a little bit. You know, there was, there was an effect of going to this place. Well, that's not healthy. And for many people, when they have areas of struggle, we compound it in a way that has a bigger effect than maybe what it really should. And so when I say lessening the insult, and again, maybe insult's not the best word, but I'm, I'm going with it. When I say lessening the insult, what Joe wanted to think about in that moment was, I mean, uh, uh, instead of thinking I suck, now again, I don't think Joe thought she sucked, but um, I suck, what she could think was, I suck at quiz games, which are around music and charts. So she can still identify that she's not good at this. But when you put it in that context, it really lessens the effect of that has on you. So in that moment when a couple of other people were doing really well at the game, instead of maybe Joe feeling that she feels silly and that she, you know, maybe feels a bit inadequate in this area, if she could just identify and say, you know what, I really suck at quiz games around music, and almost do it in a comical way, then it's a different experience for her. And that's when I say about lessening your insults. A lot of people, one thing I've talked a lot about to... One thing I've, I guarantee I've talked about this on the podcast before, but a lot of people are very good at diminishing their good stuff and emphasizing their bad stuff. Diminishing their good stuff and emphasizing their bad stuff. I see it a lot of my runners, particularly ones who I know struggle with, you know, internally with themselves. You know, you see them be successful, and I get the yes, but Oh, yeah, but, and then when you see them fail. They take total ownership of that. They grab it and they hug it and they hold on to it in a way that really is not good for them. And so for these people, one thing I, I try to, get to talk to them about is you've got to own your success. You've got, your, you've got to give yourself your wins. You've got to really hold on to them. But then also, you, you can't emphasize your bads. You can't you know, make them worse than what they really are. And that's what a lot of people do, is when it comes to the negative side of yourself, you don't just have the negative, you, you, you amplify it massively to yourself. And that's where this idea of diminishing your insults is what we're looking to do is to identify when we are taking an area of self where, where maybe there is some evidence to prove that we are struggling. So Jo isn't the greatest at chart games around music. But she's not the greatest at it. So that's an area where there is some evidence. So, she, you know, she probably could feel a little bit silly in that situation. But when we say diminish the insult, we're putting context around it that allows ourselves just to put it in its in the right level. So, in that situation, for Jo to have turned around and said, you know what, I suck at chart games, but that's okay because I've got these other areas. Then she wouldn't have felt so bad about herself in that experience or in that moment. So what do I want you to think about in this area? Well, the thing I want you to think about is, first of all, noticing when you struggle in a situation and it can be you know because there's external evidence or it can be just because you're being hard on yourself and then what I want you to do is I want you to try to put a frame around it so for example in my life it's it's always with music because music is the one that I struggle with the most Um, if I'm having a bad day learning I know sight reading that can expand out into I'm no good at music Okay, so I might be doing sight reading, I might be struggling, having a bad day, and, you know, you suck at sight reading, and then, oh yeah, you're never gonna be good at music, and I build a negative story. Now this story works against me, and really what I do is I wanna, uh, you know, diminish the, or I can't remember the term I use now, diminish the, the insult, and go, oh, I need to keep working on my sight reading. That does not mean I suck as a musician, it just means in my sight reading area, I have some work to do to be able to progress to the next level. Now you see how I put it in that frame, I don't then walk away going, what's the point in playing music, you're never going to be any good. I just have a frame of, okay, well I need to maybe do some technique stuff around my my sight reading, I need to really step back and really make sure I get on top of the things I need to work around. Sure, I may feel a bit bummed that I'm not great at sight reading yet, but it's a lot different than feeling that you'll never be good at music. And that's how you want to think about this. So what's the work for you in this? Well, if you know like me and like Joe and like everybody, you have areas where you are easily affected and and often will compound into other areas and it becomes a self thing, not just an, an, an area thing. You've got to catch that first of all. Then secondly what you've got to do is you've got to see when you catch it, you've got to reframe it and and frame it in a way that sees the problem for just what it really is. For Joe, it's, I'm just not good at pop culture around music. For me, it's that I need just to develop my sight reading. For you, well that's what you need to identify. And then when you put that new frame in place, then you can either just let it go. And in Joe's situation, I think she's quite happy not to be great at music. I don't think, you know, before that moment if you said, Joe, how important is it for you to know pop music? She would saying, mm, it's not really that, you know, I like music, but I don't really care that much. So for her, she can just let it go. For me, with my sight reading, I can go, okay, well, what do I need to do to actually get better at this? And so it might be, you know, take a step back, you know, do the level before you're doing and just get better at that area first. It might be get some feedback from my tutor. It might be, you know, develop a strategy to get better. I kind of guarantee you that if you can do this stuff well, you'll be in a much better place around negatively being affected by those moments where you haven't really been successful because if you can diminish the effects of this there's a much higher chance you can just get back to being your normal self putting your focus back on growing in the ways that you want to grow so that's my first point catch the moments when you are insulting yourself or feeling bad about yourselves in big ways or in small ways that leads to big ways and then secondly once you see this Reframe it for what it really is. If, like Joey, it's not even that important, let it go. If, like me, it is an area you still want to develop yourself in, develop strategies that will allow yourself to progress forward. So that's that's the first segment. The second segment I want to talk about is what I'm going to call um, the distraction of finding the right way. The distraction of finding the right way. What does this mean? Often we want to make change in our lives. You know, this imagine right now you may have an area you want to create change. Um, it could be weight loss, it could be exercise, it can be career change, develop relationships, uh, friendships. You know, there's, there's lots of areas we can change. Um, and so we want to create change. And so a funny thing happens. We end up spending all our time trying to figure out the best way to way to create change but never really do any of the work. We spend all our time trying to figure out the best way to create change that we never actually do any work. And that's why I call this the distraction of getting started. And I'll share some examples. So let's say you want to do a running race and you're currently not running at all. So you want to do maybe a 10K running race by the end of the year. So you've got six months to train for it. Um, You know, there's a goal kind of at the end that you're trying to work towards. And you sit you that one day and you kind of think, where do I start? So the first thing you do is you do a Google search and kind of not sure what kind of program to get so you spend time trying to find some programs and then you're probably signed up for some information that gets going to get emailed to you and you start getting emails from somebody who's trying to sell your program then you go on youtube and you spend you know weeks and weeks watching videos around how to start running and running technique but in many ways you're getting mixed messages um and you, and it's, you ultimately just end up getting a bit confused and and a month later you spent all this time trying to figure out what kind of shoes do I need and what gear do I need and what nutrition do I need and what's good at running technique and what's the right program for me. And you wake up a month later and you're probably more confused because there's so many mixed messages out there. And then secondly, you haven't actually done anything. You've probably spent, let's say in the last month, you've spent up to 10 hours, maybe even more, researching the right way to have a running journey. The right way to have a running journey but you haven't actually got out the door and done any running and this is a common problem we see for people who are trying to create a new area of their life the distraction of getting started is that they spend so much time trying to figure out the right way the perfect way and all the rest of it that they never actually get started and it becomes a real problem and i'll share an example from my life i, I um, i've always done a little bit of property investing when I was a young man because I failed school so miserably the idea of being financially free was really important to me and, and once I kind of got through school and kind of found the other way I realized being an investor is a really important thing and so I started reading I read like for a year I read every book on, on property investing like seriously I read every book um I can just think of the books I did I did property investing courses. Like I, I probably put an investment of probably around $2,000 in my first year. And this was when I was like 20. And I didn't have much money on on knowledge of property investing. And I remember at this time, I would go on property investing forums and give advice to other people about property investing because I knew so much about property investing. I'd spent a year educating myself. Had I bought a property at this time? Well, no, I hadn't bought any properties. I spent the whole year developing myself in a way where I never actually took the step of action and then after a period of time I'd saved up enough money to be able to buy my first rental property and I went and and bought a rental property and uh and you realised pretty quickly that a lot of the education I got was not pointless but most of it was irrelevant and the real lesson you learnt was when you're in the game and I was a really good example of this, the distraction of getting started. I was, I was almost a bit fearful of putting my feet in the water of property investing because I thought I needed more knowledge before I started. But I wasn't starting. I had a lot of knowledge behind me, but I wasn't starting. And the ironic thing was is that as soon as I started, I was realised, oh my God, the lessons I need to learn are kind of way over here, not where the education I currently was getting was. So when we think about the distraction of getting started is a lot of people do this is they spend so much time and invest time and money but they don't actually get started. So what would be my advice for you if you know I'm speaking to you in this situation? My advice to you would be, first of all you've got to get started straight away. I know it's simple advice but there's probably a couple of things. First of all um, what is the basic, most basic level I need to start this? Okay, what is the most basic level that I need to start this? So let's go back to this running example. So let's say again you are you tied at the end of the year 10k running race. Um what's the most basic level? The most basic level is you need basic training gear. You don't need to go out and buy the you know the three dollars pair of running shoes, you know, that are gonna, you know, that elite runners run because it gives them an extra, you know, one second a K. You don't need that. You sure you probably need some decent, you know, shoes that are applicable for your body. So there's a level of investment around shoes and gear that you're probably going to need. You probably want to get some advice, and, and I would say you want to get advice from someone who you can actually work with, you know, like a local person that you can work with because um, there's just that, 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 that context is probably more important. Uh, and that's probably it, really. Basic level equipment and basic level advice just on this advice i'm going to go totally off subject here if one thing i will say is if you're going to invest some money in a coach or or a mentor or somebody who's going to guide you on your journey until they show you can't trust them you've got to trust them because i think a lot of people nowadays there's so much information out there and, and like in any area, you jump on the internet and you start researching any area, you can get overwhelmed with contradictory advice. you know. And so what you've got to basically go is you buy, when you buy a coach, you're buying a philosophy. And uh, that coach's job is to, to work with you and help you be successful. And so you've got to trust them. And it's just often you see nowadays because there is so much information. Like it was funny, I had a runner come up to you this morning and she was telling me how her husband's got an injury. And she goes to me, oh, I'm pretty sure, I've told him, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's got a stress fracture. And I was like, well, you're not really a doctor. Or you're not really a physio. So, how are you making that? How are you making that assessment? Um, and we can. It's so easy for us to give advice nowadays, but we just want to make sure we get the right people around us who are going to guide us on a journey. But also trust them on your journey. You know, get them to guide you and go with that. And a great example of this is when I did triathlon. And triathlon, we used to have a saying of "all the gear, no idea." And what does this mean? Well, you, you get these people who who had this kind of this, this problem I'm talking about, the, uh, the distraction of getting started. You, they'd turn up to their first race, and they'd spend thousands and thousands of dollars. They had the best bike, the best wetsuit and all this, and they hadn't trained. So they turn up, and, and we, we'd kind of smile, and we'd just think, all oh, the gear, no idea. Because the most important thing you need to do if you want to grow in any area is to do the thing. Like, if you want to run a 10K race at the end of the year... Well, the best thing you can do is get out the door and start walk, walk, run, or start your routine of getting into the habit of running. That's the best thing you can do because that's when you're going to learn the lessons that are going to help you be successful along the way. So when we think about the distraction and getting started, first of all, you do need a basic level of stuff or, or equipment or whatever it is around the area that you're working in, but you don't need the greatest level. Like I'm in my first cycle race. I borrowed a bike from a mate and then I loved it and so I started to invest more in cycling and went further and further with it and um, that's what you want to think about is I just want to dip my feet in the water and see if it works for me then once you've got that you want to just get out the door and start doing it now one thing I often think is that often people are afraid to start and that's why we had the distraction of getting started is that if I, I need that next thing before I start and if you know that's you just keep the start level really easy You know, again, with the running running journey, if if you know the distraction of getting started is more just about the fact that you're a bit afraid, or you know you think it's going to be hard, and so looking for the right answer is the way you distract yourself from actually doing the thing that you're a bit afraid of, make it a bit easier in your mind. You know, when you're doing this running journey, just say at first I'm just going to go for walks for the first. You know, think back to my my weights training program I talked about earlier today. My first month, just turn up and do the movement patterns. You know, I made it pretty easy for myself, didn't I? And that's what you should do as well. Because often we're a bit f- afraid to actually take the risk of doing the thing. And that's why we have the distraction of getting started. And the reason this is really important of finding the right level, having your basic level gear and your basic level mentorship beside you is, then you can go and try it. Now for sometimes, you might try something in your life and you might go, you know what, I don't actually like this. You know, you might try running and you go, you know what, <laughs> Running's not my thing. I'd much rather be doing a dance class, or you might try um, playing a musical instrument. And you, you know what? I don't really like playing music. I'd much rather do some um, painting or something like that. Now if you haven't put much of an investment in A, you save yourself money, and B, you can just kind of move on pretty quickly. And then secondly, the other thing is, if you do enjoy it, well, that's when you can invest more time and money. So, like when I first started endurance sport, and I borrowed bikes and stuff as I did a couple of races. And I thought, you know what, I kind of like this. And then the more I liked it, the more I invested time and money into the thing that I liked, and so I kept the most out of it. So you can spend the money in the long term if you want to, but that's after you've started. Because the real lessons and the real gains are going to come when you actually just do the thing. So my second point today is, if you know you're the person who spends all your time on YouTube, all your time looking for the answers on the internet, being a sucker for ads on Facebook and you don't actually do the thing you want to do look at my approach get your basic level equipment like i think a piano like i thought i wanted to play piano my first piano was like a 600 dollars kids piano like not, probably 400 it was, it was crappy piano but i tried it worked out for me now i've invested in really good piano i've got a, a six thousand dollar keyboard i spent a lot of money on it because i love it and i've had it for like six years i play it you know every day so it's a good investment because i love the piano I I did the thing first and that's what I want you to do. In life, you want to be the person who does because the person who does, who does the thing, learns the lessons, knows where they can progress and ultimately achieves what they want to achieve. So today's points, if I go right back to the start, point number one is reducing the insult and that's about seeing when you're working against yourself and putting it in a frame which keeps it small and realistic, And like Joe, you can just let it go, or like me, you can develop it. And then secondly, the distraction of getting started. And in the distraction of getting started, what we're looking at there is, are you spending all your time trying to find the way when actually you're better off just getting started? If you know you are this person, A, reduce the the entry level, b find the right mentor and c keep it at the movement level and entry level is meaning like the gear and the equipment and then c the entry level of the movement or or the activity so you just get started on that journey i guarantee if you do these these things well you're going to end up being a much higher level of yourself and you're actually going to learn some pretty cool life lessons along the way our team. that's this week's show, this, this fortnight. I do fortnight, not a weekly podcast. Uh, this fortnight's show is pretty much done and dusted. Hopefully you got some stuff in there. Um, yeah, I'm guilty of all of it. You know, I'm guilty of all of it. Most of us are. No one's perfect, but if we can kind of just work on these things and make small progress, you know, you wake up on the other side and you make some really big gains along the way. So just, as always, do the work you know, do the work, that's the, kind of like what I am saying, you know, the distraction of getting started, do the work, if you know, you know, just do it, if you do the work, you'll get, you'll change, you'll make the change, so it's really important, I've got an interview coming up in the next episode uh, with one of New Zealand's top sports psychologists, he works with some of New Zealand's most successful sports teams, uh, I'm really looking forward to it, uh, I've heard some really good stuff about this man, so... That's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks from now. I've also got some other interviews lined up over the next period of time. Also, I got some really good feedback from my interviews of Mandy and M from the last episode. So if you haven't listened to that, it was really good to get the insight from some female leaders in the industry. Obviously, you guys hear me, and uh, and I have had other female leaders in, like Mid Thomas, in the past, and I, I've definitely had some other female professionals on. But it's just you know, it's always good to get different insight, and even for me because they just have different things they have to work through in this industry, and there's just some really honest, good insight, Um, that, again, I got a lot of great feedback from, so just thank you to those, Em and Mandy, and also just want to say thank you for the people who sent through the feedback. And also, I just want to say a big thing, I've had some lovely emails through from some listeners recently, um, just saying um, some really cool stuff about this show, and uh, the work that I do, and... um, I, feel, I just feel very lucky that I'm very lucky in my life. I've tried to choose a life around trying to help people grow, and in many ways, it's a tough life because it's um, you know there's many people who don't know how to make their life work, and I've been fortunate to be able to make that life work. Um, and I really, a I, I, I always respect it. Like I never, and you know, like you know, sometimes if sometimes people say to me, you know, like when you're coaching, like it's six in the morning and it's cold and dark and sometimes wet, and people say, you know, Joe might say, oh, do you, do you struggle with those sessions, like? A, I don't, because I just think, wow, I get an opportunity to help people grow, you know, like I I never, 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 ever disrespect that, but B, it's also pretty rewarding, Um, but what's really lovely about my life is that people do let me know that my work helps, and I've just had some really special emails from people in the last period of time just letting me know that this show and the work that I do has has really helped them in some quite massive ways, and so I just want to say our thank you to those people who have taken the time to write to me. it's something you, you know, it's the, it's the email you you just always love reading. Like, um, someone takes the time in their day to write to you and say that the work that you do, that you work really hard on, makes a difference for them. It's like, that moment wins that day straight away. Like, it's pretty cool. Uh, so thank you to all those people. Um, just actually, lastly, my, my wife and I, one of my clients, this amazing lady, um she has a thing called a five-year diary and the whole idea of a five-year diary is basically each each page it has the same date so let's say 19th of august uh but it has for five years so it might have 19th of august you know 2019 2020 and so on and each day you go in and you just do a little blurb about the day um and i've just bought one well joe and i bought one for joe and i actually hasn't turned up yet but i'm really looking forward to doing it because i've written a journal for years i love writing a journal it's kind of a good way to self-reflect at the end of the day Um, It's a good way to kind of look back in the past. Um, I I just think it's a really healthy tool to have in your life. But the thing I love about this idea of a five-year journal is that You go back each year and you have to reflect on the previous years. And uh, my client has been saying it's it's such a powerful thing because there's, you know, A, you remember the good stuff, B, you know, when you see the problems or the things you're struggling with, you realize you kind of move on. Just a really cool insight. So it's a tool that I haven't started yet, but I bought one for Joe and I and we should probably get in the next few days. Um, And I would like for Joe and I to make that kind of a a, a nightly thing that we kind of do together. and then, yeah, no, so I just thought so I'd check it out. Maybe it's something you want to do as well. Anyway, um, if you want to enjoy the show, you can go to bevanjamesisles.com and become a patron. And if you want a patron, just go there, and it's all pretty obvious. Go to the podcast section, see the patron link, and uh, thank you to all the people who already are patrons. Uh, other ways you can support the show is to share it on your social media. If you know other people listen to podcasts, they're pretty popular nowadays, let them know about this one, the Bevan James Oles Show. And uh, if you want to put some feedback on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, any of the podcatchers out there, that'd be really appreciated. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with a great interview with one of New Zealand's top sports psychologists. I'm pretty looking forward to that. As always, keep being